Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch This Pleasure Network's premier media podcast every, well nearly every week we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content, help you answer the question, which was the bigger bomb, the Trinity Test or Joe Coy at the Golden Globes? I'm your host, Asha Hopley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. I nearly didn't watch the Golden Globes, but anyway, I'm here. I've I I rage quit and came back, so Yeah. Yeah. But you I I'm not even joking, like I turned it on, watched like the first what, fifteen minutes, saw utter disappointment occur, and then I switched it off and watched the first episode of True Detective. Finished that and came back. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone a, a room rebel against a host as much as they do? It feel like not, might be I mean, the I'm worst sure hosting have, I've seen in recent I'm memory. sure I have, but not that I even remember, to be honest. No. I feel like award shows are like in one year and out the other, so. But no, this one's stuck and, It's double downed. And it's the writer's fault, not the... It's always the writer. Like, they're just reading scripts, so. But also, they throw the writers under the bus, I mean, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the like, writers get chucked under the bus, so... It's a whole thing. Apparently, he only got the job like seven days before or something. But you know, I mean, that's why it's Golden give... Globes for you. Why do you reckon like the Emmys give awards to like the Oscars and shit like that? As like because they're still written and produced shows. So yeah, but what I'm saying is, you could prep. You could like give them a little bit more advance. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you know when the Golden Ideally. Globes are going to be. Ideally. Anyway, so we're back in 2024. Uh, so on this week's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, going over some film news in this week's top three, and giving some thumbs to trailers. Uh, we'll kick things off with what's in our watch history. Uh, we'll start with the one thing that we actually release content for in this massive break. Of course, you can check out all of our best of 2023 content at explosion.com slash best of 2023. Uh, but we watched the first episode of the Doctor Who Plus era of Doctor Who. Uh, the first special starring Judy Gatler as the Doctor, uh, the church on Ruby Rose, Ruby Road. Dylan, what do you think of the first episode of Judy Gatler's era of Doctor Who? Uh, I thought it was really good, but it turns out that they hate that girl and they're fired now, so I don't know. If it's- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the the news going around at the moment that's completely unverified and was run by the Daily Mail. Uh, I mean, I've seen other more reputable places report on now is the is the problem. I've seen like actual news outlets. If you type if you type whatever her name is or Doctor Who into Google, I'm sure they'll pop up. Doctor Who casting. I don't know. Like I'm pretty. Uh, I saw like I can't remember who. Let's go Doctor Who news. Variety reported on it. Yeah, but they cited the. The Daily Mail. Yeah, but I feel like Variety wouldn't report on it unless they thought there was enough on it. Like no one, no one's quoting the Daily Mail unless they they really need to, you know. I don't so, know. I feel like they're just jumping conclusions, you know. Maybe. But on the other hand, it could be part of the mystery of this season that it could only be. lasts a season. Could be. Um, yeah, or I really enjoyed they it. got people in with a white companion, and then they're going to get a companion colour to go with the the. Doctor of Color next season. You know? Bait and switch. Yep. 
yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Christmas special, first shooty special, um, or full episode. A lot of fun. Really enjoying his uh, Doctor so far. Uh, very different to what we've had uh, last few runs. Young, someone who has a lot of fun. Uh, can be serious if necessary, but um, you see the smarts and wit and everything of the Doctor within there. Um, I like how it has a musical sequence. I think the villains, these goblins, are definitely very different and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it was a very good special. Enjoyed it. Um, can't wait for the series. The full, proper series. Yeah, I thought it was a really good episode as well. Very bold choices made, um, whether it's, you know, this Doctor being very gadget-heavy or having a very different sonic screwdriver or him breaking the song uh, a bunch of, against a bunch of goblins. Um, but yeah, obviously the Disney Plus money is there on the screen for large portions of the episode. It looks really good. Uh, Shooty, very, you know, he definitely queer-coded uh, when he's dancing in the club with just a singlet on. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, definitely excited, and we don't have to wait too long. I believe May is when the season's going to come out. We're seeing bits and pieces kind of pop up online and that kind of stuff, so... Very excited for the new season of Doctor Who. Uh, Dylan, you've started watching the new season of True Detective Night Country, starring Jodie Foster. So good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, so True Detective, I, like most of the world, loved the first season. Second season, I never finished. I think I got like three or four episodes in and then just fell off it because it was pretty bad. Um, tempted to finish it just so my tract stops because now I've brought this show back in I hid it but now I've brought it back in to check into this and now and like, like a massive episode, gap of... and then it's like yeah now it's like go watch season 2 episode 3 or 4 whatever I'm up to I'm like fuck off um, so annoying anyway uh, season 3 was really good as well but I don't think it, was, it wasn't as good as the first season it was but it was still good but actually back to me good show this season though feels more in line with the first season um a lot weirder um tonally and everything like that so uh really like it jody foster plays this sort of you know she's well it's set in um alaska alaska yeah so it's set in alaska it's the series starts right when it goes to like where it's nighttime all time i don't know how many months or weeks or whatever they have of this but you know so now it's just dark all time so, which is obviously very weird and creepy, and I can't imagine living like that. But as soon as it also makes the show hard to keep up with because, like, they'll cut the scene, and unlike a normal show where, like, well, now it's night time, it's just like it's always dark. I'm like, is it the morning? Is it night? I guess it's part of the, probably part of it, what you're supposed to feel as a, uh, a view of the show. But yeah, so Jodie Foster is the, like, uh, captain or whatever, the police to, uh, detective place there. Your, your second character is played by. Kelly Rees, Rice. Uh, she's this. She used to be a detective, but then you've got some bad blood between them. She sort of moved off and became like a road cop, whatever they call them. Um, not not a quote quote unquote proper cop or whatever. Uh, but the main mystery for this season is you've got I think it's like some huge number, like eight scientists up in this big, lab- expensive laboratory up there in Alaska. They're like I don't know trying to discover the meaning of life in ice or some shit. Um, and they all just poof, 
up and disappear uh, is how it goes in the first episode. So they're trying to track that down, may tie into a mystery uh, from years prior. Um, the first episode is a bit of a slow burn, which is fine. Um, I love a good moody slow burn. Uh, introducing of characters. You've already got like this hint of like Jodie Foster's character where obviously she had a partner because her, her kid who you introduced to, who's like 16 years old, um, you have like a line where she's like froze it in her face like you know sort of like you're not my real mom it seems like she was dating someone who had a kid and then that person's probably died in a car accident based on things that happened in this but now she's got the kid like there's all these like well, trials and crumbs and things tied in you've got this other character played by fiona shaw in this who just turns up and starts seeing a ghost of her um passed away partner as well who like leads her to something and like, there's a lot of shit going on but i love it it's shot beautifully um written really well can't wait for the second episode which i think is out now or tomorrow something like that as a recording but um yeah i can i, I like I, I i was i was half an hour into this and i was already like this is this is good shit this is some dylan shit so all right uh so over the well even before the break i watched the holdovers obviously the big oscar contender this year uh directed by alexander payne starring uh Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa. Uh, Paul Giamatti plays a history teacher at a New England boarding school who uh, is forced to look after this, the students who have to stay home, stay at the boarding school over the Christmas break, um, which all gets dwindled down to one student played by Dominic Sessa. Uh, and they kind of spend Christmas together with uh, Divine Joy Randolph's character, who is a... Uh, mother who just lost her son in the the vietnam war this is set in the 1970s also which is key <laughs> um well given yeah the it's vietnam war I'd, getting I'd, the vietnam reference it would be very weird if you only I was just to lost. be confused yeah. yeah uh yeah it's like it's it's not a very unoriginal it's not a very original story i feel like i've seen it other places of like the old grumpy old teacher becomes like a father figure to a teenager uh, and they're kind of like a family unit i guess over this uh period where they're kind of stuck together um but it's really well done paul g marty is a really interesting uh character of full of neuroses um the weirdest thing that threw me off was he's got a lazy eye in this and i was halfway i was like well, maybe a quarter of the way through the movie, I'm like, did Paul Giamatti always have a lazy eye? <laughs> Is this the thing that he's always had and I've just never noticed? Uh, but also the thing is his eye keeps the... It, you can never tell which eye is the lazy eye. And, you know, they, it, Paul Giamatti is choosing to, in uh, interviews, not reveal how the process of the lazy eye was pulled off. But it's pretty impressive either way. Um, but yeah, it's a very good movie, wholesome um good coming of age you know road trip all these like kind of christmas elements it's weird that this movie got released here in australia like i want to say like a week or two ago when it is very much well it's a movie set during christmas and it's a movie that could only work during a christmas period i guess um so i mean that's a disappointing aspect but uh yeah it's really good i would recommend checking out cinemas it's a um really good time look some pretty good laughs um good wholesome moments and you know 
a full emotional roller coaster in there. Uh, very sat- satisfying movie, and Paul Giamatti is fantastic. Uh, and Divine Joy Randolph is fantastic as well, and she's deserving of all the praise that she's kind of getting. And like, uh, it seems like she's almost the favorite to get the best supporting actress this year. Um, she, yeah, she's lovely in this film. So, The Holdovers. I also watched The Iron Claw, which is the uh, biopic, I guess, about the uh, Von Erich family, uh, who are a bunch of wrestlers who wrestled during the, I want to say, 1970s, off the top of my head. Um, Golden Age. Golden Age of the Territories. Um, Very much starts from where kind of early on when Kevin Von Erich played by uh, Zach Efron is the only one kind of wrestling uh, following in his father's footsteps. Um, it's early 80s, sorry. Um, and kind of tracks their history through this period of time. Um, and, you know, that family is believed to have been cursed. Uh, and there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that makes you believe that maybe they were cursed. Uh, but yeah, stellar cast, obviously, Zac Efron, probably one of his most interesting performances um, that I've seen, at least. Uh, Jeremy Allen White is fantastic. Uh, Harris Dickinson, Maury Turney, Holt McCallany is a ter- like really great as like the overbearing, like strict uh, dad who wants, you know, the power-hungry dad who wants the best from all his sons and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good. I was expecting more, like, I wasn't completely blown away, but I mean, it's a perfectly good movie. My quick question How much? I did not know barely anything. I knew going in, tragic stuff hits. I knew it was not going to be a happy story. Everyone's talking about like crying coming out of cinema and shit like that. So, yeah, and I did, you know, I did not shed a tear. I didn't even well up at any point. I don't think. You know, no heart. Maybe my heart is hollow and you know, cold. Um, very possible, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's well done. It, it's a. It's kind of crazy how tragic some of the stuff that happens in this film is. Uh, it's very much a story of like, you know, the desire to prove your father right and like, or like I would make say, your father though, proud. If you're interested in the story at all, you should 100. percent I did. Go back and watch the episode of Dark Side of the Ring, um, which is interesting because obviously the big thing is they cut one of the Von Erich brothers out of the yeah. the, the film. I've read that, yeah. Um, uh, and it seems like they like put elements of this, his story with one of the other brothers and that kind of stuff. And like I feel like certain events may have been like moved around and that kind of stuff. Yeah, typical um, movie shit, yeah. That kind of stuff. And that it's very like certain things are very interesting, like they very much position kevin uh as the brother is like a really great wrestler but obviously not the complete package and like he's like struggling to do promos and that kind of stuff and like i used to do multiple takes of like behind the backstage interviews and that kind of stuff um and that's kind of why he gets so continuously overlooked for his his brothers for opportunities um but yeah then to watch the you know the tragic stuff that happened to that family it's like fuck (laughs) very sad like and obviously you know yeah it's a very sad story but it didn't i don't know it just didn't click for me i guess you know 
Is it? Did you enjoy it as a wrestling movie? Or? Yeah, it was. It's enjoyable time. I think the wrestling is quite good. Um, yeah, a lot of the ring stuff. It's good. I don't know. Yeah, just something. Of a side yeah. note, I don't think the Ric Flair was very good. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've seen a lot of complaints about that. Um, also, no MGF. What's the hell's? <laughs> yeah, the cutty scenes apparently. It's with. <laughs> But he he's on as a producer. I think he helped out with the wrestling. Is what the story is. So. Ah, he, he was Lance. Producer. Yeah, the Von Erich who got brought into the Von Erichs, and then they realized they yeah. didn't they didn't didn't want him. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, was that your first Dark Side of the Ring episode as well that you've ever watched? Yes. How do you like the format of it as like a documentary show? I mean, it's a documentary show, so yeah, it's fine. I like clicked around at a couple of different ones that I would, I watched the Montreal Screwjob episode and the the yeah. Bash of the Beach. I'm like, it's a good show. More modern stuff, yeah. Good show. I like yeah. the what they do. I think they do a good job of um. They I like the way they shoot their recreation stuff, like very shadowy and whatever. You yeah. know, so you can never like obviously you know it's fake, but it sort of helps tell the. You story. know, it's not actual footage because they don't have yeah the rights yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I also went to the cinema and watched The Beekeeper, the new David Ayer film starring someone Jason Statham. It's true. Someone did kill his bees, yep. uh, but it's more about the story of a, a former uh, intelligence operative who works for a, uh, I don't know, an organization that was formed at the initial, like the creation of the American of America, who are outside of the system, who are, like, to keep the system in check. If anything goes wrong, it's like, take people out. Uh, it's like the gentleman. Yeah, to be the be- Yeah, kind of, I, I haven't watched the gentleman, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, it, it was a beekeeper, is what the, the beekeepers is, the organization or whatever. Um, so he, he retired. It was living on this uh, property uh, with uh, a lady played by uh, Felicia Richard. She gets scammed out of all of her money uh, by a like phishing scam, uh, who like talks to her over the phone and like get all her accounts and everything. Uh, as a consequence of being robbed of all her money, including two million dollars for charity, uh, she takes her own life, uh, which sets uh, Jason Statham's character, uh, Adam Clay, as he's known at this point in the film, into uh, trying to take them all down. And man, the <laughs> It's a conspiracy that goes way higher than you would think it'd go. Um, this is a lot. This movie is uh, dumb, <laughs> but also a lot of fun. It you know there is there is a six out section in seeing a bunch of like people scamming uh, the weakest of people, getting what's what they deserve. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a one-man army movie, so if you are a fan of those kind of movies, this is going to be for you. Uh, Jason Statham's really good in the role, even though he keeps bringing up bees and talking about bee metaphors and hives and all that kind of stuff. Um, you've also... This is also intercut with uh, Emmy Raven-Lapman uh, and her partner, who work for the FBI. She plays the daughter of, the, of Felicia Richard, who got murdered. Um, they're FBI agents. And they're kind of tracking him down as he proceeds to commit a bunch of murders uh, while he works his way up to 
the top of the food chain. Um, specifically, Josh Hutchinson, who's kind of behind this, the whole scam, um, and is like a a a tech boy, <laughs> a shitty, uh, no conscience tech bo- like uh, tech trust fund baby. And yeah, seeing Kim get what's for is enjoyable. Seeing some of the 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 terrible people in this film get what's for is great. So, Beekeeper, it it's it's better than you think it'd be, well, which be. is what everybody wants to hear. You know, if you can get past the bee puns, the bee references, and then reading too much into bees, is a good time. Dylan, before we left, we watched the first trailer for Ted. And you're like, I'm not going to watch the show. And then I feel like social media just fell in love with this show and we're posting clips every single day. I can tell you my story. Okay. I saw the, so someone, uh, the official whatever channel, what posted this, um... What made this show? Whatever, whatever channel made this Peacock? show. Paramount. Or... Peacock, yeah. Yeah. They uploaded the full five minute clip. Um, and it was I think shared on their Twitter as well. It was like five, six minute clip or from the first episode when they, they get high for the first time and they come downstairs and they sit at the theater table. And I watched that and I was like, you know what? That is fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll watch the full first episode and see how I, like, in context, is the rest of the episode funny too. And then I was like, you know what? That was pretty funny. And then I just kept watching it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I feel about the show. Um, I liked the first, I, honestly, I kind of want to rewatch Ted and be like, is the first Ted going to be funny? In, like, will I go back and like it? I, I remember not in 2024 liking the is the first Ted. You're funny. funny. Yeah. I so I feel like I might. I mean, that's an article. I should rewatch it. That's the article fucking title there. Um, yeah. the, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't remember liking the second one. Show's very funny though. I think it's it is unlike the movie. The the TED TV show is literally just live action Family Guy. Is like the way it's the jokes are presented. The way the camera angles, the opening credit scene, everything, the way the episodes are structured, it is just more like a live action cartoon. Um, I, and I think that works a lot better. The family dynamic, everything like that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very funny the way it plays. The, I, I don't even want to spoil some of the, I kind of do. I don't want to. Actually, I, I spoil <laughs> one funny thing. Like, one funny part, like, is there's an episode where um, they go to church for some reason. Um, and then like the preachers, like talking about people coming back to life and like the coming of Christ. And then Ted's literally just like, I think I'm Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's like, not gets into argument with the priest and then like cuts to later in the night and him and, um, John are like sitting there, like flicking through the Bible. It's just all the little jokes as they flick for a job. They're like, I never seen him pick this fucking <laughs> book this thick with fucking paper thin, you know, like, why's the paper so thin? Like all these little weird things you think about <laughs> and then they're flicking through it and then it's like finds a part and he's like, <laughs> he's like reading now. He's like, read that. What's that part? So he's like, and then he cometh fast. He's like, what'd you say? He, he cometh fast. Yeah, okay, I probably wouldn't put that in there. It's like they flick further and he's like, and he's Apostle John. He's like, oh, <gasps> 
yeah you and he's like yeah and then he's like yeah so it's like john because you had all these friends it's like there's john and there's sleepy and dopey and all these like it's just it's a bunch of dumb jokes it's just it's very funny i found it it's very wholesome and i found that it also and this is the other thing i'm interested about to go back and watch the movie is because the dad is like ultra you know like he plays into the you know he's cracking like conservative he's very ultra conservative like ultra especially for this time period and stuff but the show has a lot of fun with it and they don't like especially one episode because they have his i think it's his niece yeah. yeah um is the other main character in it like oh it's like his older sister figure even though it's not it's not john's sister it's his niece or whatever but they stay sure. she stays in the house um and she's you know so she's gay she's like ultra progressive all this sort of stuff like constantly biting heads with uh the dad the mum's like just the very stereotypical just does whatever the dad says you know, mm-hmm. like cooks, cooks, cleans, all that sort of stuff. But there's one episode towards the end of the season where it's like full on, she gets into an argument with him and stuff like that. And he's like, what I'm trying to say, I didn't even say anything, you know, like says, doesn't say anything offensive, but he's like saying like racist shit and whatever else. But the show does it like a really good job at like having fun while also saying this isn't right, but also not being too, like in a very like, you know, like it's obviously Seth MacFarlane. So, but yeah, I, I think it done a good job of like, having those jokes while not being too one way. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched the first two episodes mm. um, after, like I said, seeing a bunch of clips on social media. Like specific- the one that I saw was the, uh, the Ted running the girl down the classroom. Uh, yeah. Which is like from, I think the last or second, like, Oh no, it's actually, it might be, it's from towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And in context is <laughs> a reason why he does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just seems very aggressive, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying the first two episodes. Uh, you know, it's very wholesome. Ted looks very good. Like, mm, he's very good CGI. Um, probably because he's sort of simplistic yeah. and like. Well, so, apparently, yeah. Seth MacFarlane did the motion capture on set and everything. So. Yeah. Apparently, he did one out like two hours a week for 22 yeah, weeks or something. Is what I read somewhere. But anyway, I'm glad he did. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, uh, it's crazy. Uh, does he keep the accent the entire time? The kid. John, the kid. Yeah, and it's so good because I, I, I heard him outside in the normal interview. It doesn't have that accent at all, but I absolutely love it as a, like, I, I think he was directed that way. Like, do your best Mark Wahlberg from Ted impression. <laughs> and it is that to a degree. Like, it's just way too over the top, but I love it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, dead, you know, like it's so just like this ridiculous Boston accent. So it's good shit. Do you know what I mean? Do you, would you agree with like the more like sitcom, uh, the more like cartoony like feel of it? Like, yeah, definitely. So like yeah. the hug. I mean, one of the opening sequences is Ted finds a gun and he decides to uh, yeah. use it on a slip and slide. <laughs> yeah, uh, and starts firing shots, not really caring where the shots are actually going. Yeah. Uh, random neighbor yeah. cuts a random neighbor yelling stuff. Like it all feels very like the cartoon yeah very cartoony so all right uh yeah i'm gonna probably finish watching it i think it's the first like good show hit show i'll say good show because it's probably obvious but i'd say it's the first hit show show of of 2020 yeah i feel like everybody's talking about it yeah need to watch it came out nowhere trailer was shit but anyway show's good yeah uh so i also watched next goal wins 
the latest film from Taika Waititi, uh, following the uh, American Samoa football team, who, uh, if everybody knows, lost to Australia in a world record loss. I think it was thirty-one nil. Um, uh, and then they subsequently got a coach, this time played by Michael Fassbender, um, to try and rectify the team, try and get them to score one goal at least, because they've never scored a goal as long as American Samoa had a national team. Um, the bar is low. Uh, so he comes to American Samoa after being fired from the US team and uh, kind of like tries to make a go of it, but you know, he, you know, he has his ways of doing things and the American Samoan people have the way ways of doing things. Uh, he's a hard ass. Um, yeah. I don't know. This one didn't really work. I mean, it's a fine comedy. It's got the Taika's elements to it. It just feels kind of mean a lot of the time. And then like, it, it like, and then when you think it's just, it, I feel like it's a movie that just like, every time you think it's going to go off the rails, so Michael Fassbender has like a great speech or like a really good moment. And you're like, oh, you get back and reinvested back into the movie. And then it goes, kind of goes off like meandering off the edge again. And then he has another really cool moment or whatever. So it's a fine movie. People cheered in my cinema when, you know, they scored a goal. So, I mean, oh, take that for what it will. I mean, you know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for history. <laughs> I didn't um, know history. Yeah. I mean, probably, I would say this is probably the weakest Taika Waititi movie I've seen. Whoa. And I think I've seen all of them except Eagle vs. Shark. So. Uh, I'm going to tell you without having watched this movie, that is better than this. Okay. <laughs> That's so, a yeah. good movie. I don't know. It just it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a movie he was fully invested in. What do in you think Tiger's best movie is? <sighs> Probably Hunt for the Wilder People. What do you reckon his second best movie is? If it's a toss up between Thor and Ginger Rabbit. Okay. I think what's what, your uh, well, What's your impromptu top three? Uh, Half of the World of People and tie between Boy. Well, I don't know. They're first and second. And then, yeah, third would be Eagle vs. Shark. Okay. Very like, yeah. You, yeah, that would be You're very indie, Tiger. Yeah. You're like, fuck much. it when he, he got big. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like Joe. You're a hipster Tiger fan. Yeah, very much, yeah. OG fan. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to your... Go back to when he was cool, Tiger. Yeah. But too much money now. Uh, Dylan, you finally got the opportunity to watch Saltburn. Yep. What did you think of this movie that, you know, has a very, had a very interesting advertising campaign on Prime Video? Did it? What'd they do on Prime Video? They have the, do you know what they, uh, do you know what they did for the full consideration posters? No, I didn't. They, they did a giant poster and it's just the, the bath drain. Oh, it's a choice. Um, yep. <laughs> I think it's a movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to talk about Saltburn, actually. 
I I think it's good. I think I I think it's good. I think the problem is is that everything good about the movie ultimately by the time the cine- the movie's over gets overshadowed by these like two three key like gross out slash odd like envelope pushing scenes that sometimes mm-hmm. and like the bar scene for example which is like one of the one, ones that talked about i'm like this just feels like, like i understand it i don't feel like the, the scene needs to be deleted but i nearly am like this feels like you did it for like too long like just went for fucking forever um the i don't know like i i i like if i was to score it i'd be like it's a seven and a half in my mind is sort of where where I, I would sort of sit with that film. I think it's very well acted. I think it's shot really nice. I think Richard E. Grant and Rosamund Pike are probably the best parts of the film in my mind. The two of them, the mm-hmm. just their reactions to scenes and stuff like that. Um Carrie Mulligan is also very good in it for the time she's in it. I just feel like the ultimately the relationship between the two main characters, like I didn't buy into any of it to get to the degree where we get. And I also did never buy into the main character being smart enough to get to where he gets <laughs> is why <laughs> I just, yeah. So like, I, I think it's a, I think I just view it as it's a fun, mostly entertaining film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely wasn't on my, obviously you've, yeah. You, if anyone's listed our top 10 list, it didn't make either of our top 10. So. No. No, I agree. It's like it, I think it's a fun mo- movie in the moment, and then when you kind of think back on it, it's like. And I also watched it at a film festival with a like full audience, um, mm. reacting to those moments on screen. So, um, it kind of like amplified a lot of the the feeling around it, like people's reactions, and like everybody was very into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. Like, I don't think it deserves a lot of the hate that's getting thrown at it. Um, I feel like people have like been kind of over the top with their uh, feelings about the movie and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun, I don't know, what thriller, I guess. I don't know what genre you'd yeah. throw in it. Yeah, thriller. Yeah, so. Uh, all right, Dylan, you watched a bunch of horror movies on the break. Talk to yeah, me boy. about Thanksgiving, which snuck into your top 10 horror movies of 2023. Yeah, this movie, I think, if it wasn't for the for like the first half hour, I don't want to say the rest of the movie is bad, but the first half hour of this movie makes it. So here's the pitch for this movie, everyone. First, this movie starts, it's Black Friday, and then if you've ever watched those those uh, terrible videos of like Black Friday shit happening in America where people get like trampled on and shit like that, mm-hmm. imagine that, but people die. <laughs> and then they skip ahead a year, and they're like, man... We're never going to let something horrible like that ever happen. And then there's a dude dressing up as whatever, I don't know, dude's name anyway, some fucking American figure dressed up as him, running around, killing people that were like involved in that particular Black Friday event. Um, it's the perfect setup for an American slasher film. Um, and this film has a lot of great kills. It's pretty straightforward. The cast is neither particularly likable or hateable. I, th- I think they're fine. Like, I just. Like, they're not like a screen cast or anything like that where you actually care and like the characters, but they're not terrible either where I'm like, I just hope you all die. I'm like, yeah, some of you have potential. <laughs> <laughs> like, But also, I wouldn't care if all of you died. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just, I, I think it was a lot of fun. And yeah, that that first, the opening of this movie, I, I just, because I, like, I knew the, like, 
because this is a this is one of the grindhouse shorts now turned into a movie like i think we've got one grindhouse trailer that hasn't been turned into a movie at this point now so um, the uh edgar wright one edgar wright one i believe yeah or there's a rob zombie one as well so maybe two two then i think so don't which was the edgar wright one and then whatever the rob zombie one was i can't remember um Every other one now turned into something. So, like, I remember watching that and whatever else. I knew the basic premise of the dude. But, yeah, the, the start of the Black Friday stuff, I just thought was fucking, like, so good. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's just really good typical slasher. Dude going around killing people. Good fun. All right. Uh, then you also watched When Evil Lurks. Yeah, this ended up second or third. Ooh. I remember where I put it on the list. Also, also, by the way, how, how funny do you <laughs> when you saw I change it from top five to top ten? <laughs> the horror list. I was like, nah, I got two main movies. <laughs> no. I was like, that's it. I didn't realize that you originally intended to be a top five until I looked at the the, <laughs> yeah, the URL, URL for the article. Yeah. <laughs> I changed it at the last second. I was like, fuck it. I want to do 10 but at that point i forgot that i already saved it and scheduled it and to update the article um url and then i realized like the day it posted i was like fuck it whatever it's live now um doesn't matter it doesn't matter i was like fuck it technically there is a top five in there so there is yeah so you can just cut it out so i was like you know what fuck it i cover enough horror movies on the website top 10 makes sense like um i've read about a lot of horror stuff uh when evil works so this is a like this was a shutter film that i heard good press about i heard people i follow and horror people say this is a very good movie good to be honest i watched the trailer i was like i don't get it i don't i don't see it and for the first like 20 minutes of this i was like i don't really like what's what's the go because it starts it's like out in the middle of nowhere in like this rural sort of farm town um this is a, a spanish uh speaking film i can't remember if it's set in like spain or wherever the fuck it's set but um they're like they you got like two brothers and they're like on this farm and then some kid shows up and is like oh my god there's a dead body i found a dead body they go find it they run out they go to this other house there's a dude there you, you would hate this film because straight away you go into this room why am i saying it's a horror movie of course you're gonna hate it they, they go into this house <laughs> there's like a really fucked up body like this dude like huge like really fat not in a mean way i mean like obtusely like over the top fat um he's and they're like this woman his mom's like he's infe- uh, infected you know like he's um possessed he's, he's he's being possessed and it's like you know like ooze and shit like fucking gross right um typical and i'm like okay so it's like possession film probably gonna do an exorcism let's see how that goes but not but then what happens is one of the, like the local this they start playing more into like local superstitions and stuff which is what changes it a bit more from american film because american film they would just like get the priest you know do the whole fucking do the go save him sort of thing they're like nah Anyway, they they grab old mate. They carefully like chuck him into the back of a ute, and they just go, "We've got to get him out of our village because the longer this person's here, he's like going to infect our village. You know, he's got big bad luck and whatever else on us. So, got to get him out of here." They drive him all the way down to fucking another town, and literally, and this is terrible. It makes all the characters sort of like not morally good people straight away. They just like dump his body. They're like, "Nah, another town can deal with the bad luck that this infected <laughs> devil person will deal with." They come back, but then the wife of the one guy is like, nah, that's going to be bad, bad luck. Shit's going to go bad. And guess what? Shit goes bad. So, um, and as the film progresses, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what starts is what I thought was like a very small 
um, enclosed film, like in this very farm village, gets bigger and bigger in scope as the film progresses. Um, uh, really well shot, especially like, again, you start and you're like, how could you say that? But as you get further in, um, some stuff starts happening. It's so cool. Uh, and then, yeah, two brothers really great. There's a character introduced towards the end of the film, like this sort of, um, uh, devil hunter lady up i guess basically she's really really good as well um yeah really spooky really scary different different take on a possession film that i hadn't seen so um really enjoyed it all right uh and then you also watched the blackening yeah so the blackening is uh horror comedy comedy horror it's definitely more of comedy than horror you could watch this one you would you would survive this one uh i thought it was fine I guess the problem with this yeah. one is it definitely doesn't lean to like it doesn't doesn't do in my mind a good enough job at like balancing the mix because uh, I guess when you look at something like good horror comedies uh, like either go one way or the other uh, in some direction it's it's sort of like you're either a scary movie and you're just sort of like we have someone running around killing people but like we're a hundred percent a comedy movie. Um, and then you can go some of the, you can go sort of somewhere in the other direction where you, you're trying to, I don't know what's a, I think it's like a good example now. I mean, even scream sort of a good example of a, like, it's fun. It's a fun, you know, like you're laughing at some parts of fun characters, but people are getting killed. But this just sort of wants to be in the middle. And I don't think it, it really hit a, a good mix of everything. Um, and I picked who the killer was straight away. And I can't, I don't want to say why, because it may like spoil how and why but i just straight away i was like like five minutes in the movie i was like it's that person because reason and i think i just and i'd say like like i watch a lot of horror movies but i was just like it was so obvious to me that i was like this is dumb i don't know why this is a how the fuck you motherfuckers mm. are <laughs> like, <laughs> not figuring it out you know yeah i was like okay. dumb um and then i don't think it's as smart as it thinks it is i guess there's other thing like they try and have the movie thinks it's did, saying something about like race in like, did you ever watch the show stuff that's based on no so i feel like maybe the show would be better because it's it this just feels like it's definitely well it's uh, from my memory it's like just the very initial conception of like it's the first phone call they get of like one of you need to come out to get murdered or whatever it's like them saying which one of them should go out and die who's the most black who's the most black which they do that scene in the movie yeah yeah Um, that was the whole thing yeah okay so yeah I, I, yeah it just definitely feels stretched out all right uh so i've also been watching percy jackson and the olympians so this is the new adaptation of rick rawdon's uh books um him actually heavily involved i think he co-wrote well he's co-showrunner on the the series um much more faithful i guess to the the books than the uh logan lerman led series of films um very much obviously it's adapting the first uh book uh the lightning thief um you know and it turns out percy jackson he's a demigod his dad is actually poseidon uh he has to go to uh he gets whisked away to camp half blood uh which is a camp where all the the demigods live um and then he's sent on an epic quest to retrieve the master bolts uh zeus's lightning bolt uh because it's been stolen and if he doesn't a war will rage across the the world um 
From Rated R, very... Adam Copeland. It does star Rated R Superstar. Adam Copeland. Uh, formerly known as Edge. Uh, Star of Vikings. Uh, okay. And what was the other show? Um, with Emily Rose. I, yeah, I really I watched all of it. Uh, he was really Haven, good. Haven, honestly. Haven. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, really enjoyable. Uh, the core trio of uh, actors at the center of it are fan- really fantastic. Um I'm looking at the uh, book series. Uh, who was it? Uh, Walker Scobell, Leah Sav- Savar Jeffries, and Aaron Simhadri. Um, they're a really good trio. They've got great chemistry. They've got good banter and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, yeah, it does a really good job of being like this action adventure kind of show, but also like a teen show and also have the comedic elements. It like kind of. Uh, it's kind of, It feels like this. I, is a show I feel like I would have loved if I was like in that perfect age demographic for it coming out. Uh, but as someone being a bit older, it's like, I can still enjoy it, but you know, it's not going to be my entire world. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying like all the like expansion of the story and delving into Greek mythology. Uh, a lot of the graphic, like the visuals are really good uh, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's a very solid, um, teen action adventure show on disney plus uh i also watched season two of reacher uh i forgot to talk about it last episode that we did i had seen all the screeners uh and i think the entire season has now been released um but obviously this season uh jack reacher uh teams up with his former uh what the military investigators i want to say off the top of my head which i feel just sounds wrong coming out of my mouth um but one of a, a several of his squad like have been murdered but at the start of the season one of his squad has been like dropped in the middle of a forest from a helicopter and they're like kind of trying to he and his former teammates are trying to figure out what happened to him who's behind it because i want to murder whoever <laughs> it's it's this is very much a story about revenge i mean there's good motivations behind it uh but there's a bunch of it's very much revenge and everybody who gets in their way is like dead they just kill anybody who like just looks at them sideways and that kind of stuff um it's fine it's obviously doing very well on prime video like it's got a very strong audience um of like dads who want (laughs) uh a big dude beating up people um the weirdest thing is the audience or the people watching it, a lot of them, at least based on Twitter, are like right wing. Like they're like, "This is our guy." Yeah, like, because this is a guy taken guy. out. <laughs> no, he like came out. He was like wearing a very leftist shirt yeah. or something. Um, but even the character, I mean, the character's not even really your. guy. No, he's like, like a guy who doesn't believe in, doesn't want to like the government very much. Yeah, a, like a you know, very liberal and wants to. It's, it's very he's very odd in that he doesn't want to like have own a house or like have any yeah. uh, barely wants any money and like is living off a pension and uh, it's very weird they're like this pension. is our guy i'm like i feel like you're like watching the show and just thinking like a you just want a big dude. guy he like gets like- rid of guns all the time <laughs> he doesn't keep any on him it's like yeah it's very <laughs> weird, weird that they're following this yeah. guy it just it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth like just timing wise like this heavy story about the lengths you'll go to get revenge on these people who did wrongs, like they murder like 
an escalating number of people. And like at the time, the stuff in Gaza is happening at the same time. It's like, it's very weird. Like even in one of the final episodes, like there's two people who are like very tangential to the plot, who are very tangential to the bad guys, uh, what the bad guy of the whole series is doing. And they could have let them go. But instead, they choose to blow him up in a helicopter, uh, which seems like a very unnecessary move. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a very odd story of revenge. Uh, but everybody is very good, and it's 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 enjoyable fodder, you know. So check that on Prime Video. Uh, and then I finished watching season three of Slow Horses, which of course is the fantastic Apple TV please Apple TV Plus series starring. Gary Oldman as the head of the slow of Slough House, who is filled with a bunch of uh, MI5 rejects. Uh, uh, this season, they kind of uh, are dealing with a tiger team, which is like a team from the outside trying to infiltrate MI5 and test their uh, test their like weaknesses and that kind of stuff. Um, but then they get caught up into a, like a big conspiracy. Um, that kind of has repercussions through all of MI5. A lot more action-heavy, at least in the later half of the season. Slow House is, it's fantastic. Everybody should watch it. And for the third season in a row, they end with a trailer for the next season, which is crazy. Like, a full trailer. I think think they filmed ten seasons. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they apparently they filmed three and four back-to-back. But they were in a trailer for three, so I don't know how they... I feel like they're like they're straight back and they're like production lines very quick. And th- mm. there was a full year gap between season two and season three. Um, so I'm hoping it's not going to be a full year gap between season three and season four. And they've already been greenlit for five and six, I believe. Um, well, Gary Oldman isn't like in interviews, doesn't he just say like, this is his shit? He's like, uh, yeah, I think he must be funding it himself. He's like, he's yeah. completely doing it out of pocket. Is the he only way the I can explain though. it. Yeah. Um, I need to watch it. It's, it's great. It's, it's really enjoyable. Uh, Dylan, you've watched a bunch of Australian stuff, so talk to me about the new boy. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Um, yeah. New boy. Uh, so this is a Warwick, what's his last name? Uh, Thornton. Warwick Davis? Thornton film. Uh, so it's set during, what? I said Warwick no, Davison. It's you're, terrible, wrong. you're terrible. Yeah, that's not even close. Um, that's a real person, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, set a during, different minority. Yes, very different minority. Uh, <laughs> Film also stars Kate Blanchett. Uh, so it stars Kate Blanchett um, as this nun. Um, so the film, I can understand why a lot of people don't like this. And again, I feel like if you're outside of Australia, but I don't know. I don't know if this film, if you could relate this film to other countries, the way they sort of pushed white religion onto indigenous populations i don't know if that carries to america and europe or what like i don't know if that carries but at least within australia i i understood what the the point of the film was which is it's so kate this kid the boy who never gets named i don't think even or maybe at the end of the film i can't remember to be honest but for the whole film he's just boy he's the unnamed boy uh at the start of the movie captured by cops police they take him halfway across fucking australia um and they shove him into a uh a, a i don't know a fucking what do you call it monastery right um here i have this Kate blanchett's like the the head sister there um secretly 
the the twist on the movie is that the father or the far like the father um who should be running this place has passed away and Kate Blanchett's character is just like keeping on the down low so she can keep running it with her other sisters the way she wants to um so she's taking in all the these these kids these aboriginal orphans um and she's trying to look after them however the the film does do a good job at like presenting this dichotomy where it's like you understand that she's trying to look after these kids and everything but her way of looking after them is also by completely pushing christianity you know or Mm -hmm. catholic catholicism or whatever um like these very it's the white religion pushed onto onto these um aboriginal boys who know no different and like it's just this slow like sort of deletion of their own spiritual spirit spirituality and religion or whatever um yeah so like that's what the film's about it's a very slow burn um i thought it was very well acted very well shot super interesting but yeah i just don't know if it would hit outside i don't know how much that story relates to outside of australia into other indigenous groups i, d- I don't understand enough of their hit mm. their history to understand it but yeah I, I enjoyed it i thought it was good uh you also watched the survival of kindness uh this is a very weird film uh this one i'm saying i liked it but i'm glad i waited to watch this when i was in the right mindset because it is a silent film uh and i'm not even joking it is i knew that going into it which is why i waited until i could commit to watching it and just being like i need to like commit so it's a rolf to hear rolf to hear here film um very prolific australian director however um has made some really weird shit over the times including bad boy bobby but like made his last film was charlie's country which i pretty much tell everyone to watch if i can um Mm. i think it's absolutely phenomenal film so they go this is a new film survival kindness it is about this is where it gets weird so you literally have a character who's never named in the credit she's just like credited as black woman it's okay um and then it's like other characters just called like brown girl and brown boy like no one has names it's also not set in australia it's not set anywhere in particular it's just this like magical like nothing country where it combines a bunch of different elements and stuff so the characters in a at the movie starts with all these characters in gas masks so you sort of this is the thing it's a silent film you have to do you have to be watching it obviously paying attention no nothing's ever really explained you have to read between the lines a lot of it but it's like there's people in gas masks or it's like okay maybe post world war ii or at least the gas mask gives you that idea of world war um or, or something's happening to like poison the land i guess out there um then you've got this slaved enslaved girl um, who's carried in the back of a a trailer out to the middle of the desert, left there. The start of the movie, she breaks out and then she wanders for a while. She meets some people along the way, including people dying, getting sick. She starts to steal some stuff, survive. It's a lot of walking. It's a very beautifully shot film. Some of it was shot here. Um, some of it was shot in South Australia, I think was the other part where it was shot. So very beautiful landscapes and stuff like that. Um, towards the end of the film, 
they get closer to like a big city, whatever the big city is, and sort of meets the that's where she meets the brown girl and brown boy characters. And they the thing is, even when they talk, and a couple times characters talk to one another in this, either they're wearing gas masks and it's all mumbled, but even when they take them off, they're not speaking English and they're not even speaking another language. They're just speaking gibberish. It's just something made up for the film. So you can never like pinpoint where it is and stuff like that but yeah i it's hard to talk about with a without spoilers but also hard to talk about without it's definitely a film where you could like if you watched it and if you cared enough like or or in general i mean not just you but like if someone watched this with you or watched it apart from you and they cared enough like i could definitely have a conversation about what i think this film was about but also i could understand how some people could be like this was not for me at all it's it's an hour and a half of someone walking you know like this is death stranding basically (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, very very interesting film and i appreciate the i appreciate it for what it is but yeah i think i gave a seven on track to i think yeah yep yeah so that's about where i'd be all right uh so then you also watch queer australia uh, yes, uh, a lot of people said this was uh, really good. It was really good. A um, bunch of people I like were in it. Um, Hannah Gadsby's in it, so it's like I'll check it out. Uh, it's a, a ABC miniseries. Uh, was it three or four episodes, I think? Three. Um, there you go, three. Uh, covers, yeah, queer history within Australia. The whole context with the, of the show is literally, hey, queer, people, uh, queer people's history in Australia slash the whole world but this show is obviously focused on australia i'm um, not really covered uh it's hidden it's covered up it's that whole thing of like you know like you'll have like parents or like older people be like you know back in my day gay people did exist it's like well they did it's just <laughs> you know like it's not something that just something but trans people weren't real it's like they were um and this this show does a really good job of um pinpointing and finding uh queer people from you know back all the way to the 1800s and pointing out like the first written about and it's quite often just news news clippings from like very olden day papers is like the coverings but um these stories are explained really well by um uh zoe ma in this uh and then it cuts between her talking to other friends comedians and um other queer people about it her parents stuff like that like not just herself but her friends and the history of these things and how, asking these people what it was like to you know come out and what they think about this and whatever it's very funny as well i think it's like it's it's a very interesting three episodes because i think it's a very well done documentary that gives a lot of inter- in, very interesting information on stuff um it's produced in a very interesting way with a, a funny like back and forward um non-linear sort of timeline to it all but then it's like also very funny <laughs> um which doesn't <laughs> work usually i guess but yeah i think it was very very good all right uh you also watch safe home SBS yeah this drama. is really fucking this is good too i saw this come up um someone i can't remember who someone had this like on their like just straight up like top 10 tv shows it wasn't like top 10 australian tv shows it's just like top 10 tv shows i was like all right mm-hmm. can, let's check that out um very very good uh four episodes uh stars asha d who i really liked in um what was that fucking movie I watched? Sissy. It? Sissy, yeah. Um, obviously that was a sort of breakout role, I think, for her. Other things as well, but that was quite written about that movie. Um, 
yeah, the series is about this. Uh, so her main character is a media person. I don't remember the actual like a PR type person, right? That's her. That's her mm-hmm. job. Started the 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 show. She like sort of quits a job there. She goes to work at a family violence center, um, and then I think. Yeah, the whole thing is obviously she, I don't think, has a full understanding of what she'll be going through, um, what she'll witness and have to hear about in that place. Um, And then the show, like, covers that, what she does to try and get more eyes on it. The story's happening across, like, three or four main characters, but also one that, I can't say about spoilers, that sort of intermingles with her her life um, that, unfortunately, is... The show, each episode starts with, like, you know something's going to happen, like it keeps showing this big event that's happening and then the episode like cuts back in time. Uh, but yeah, I, de- I definitely think the show does a very good job of like putting eyes on this work. Cause part of it is the, the show and the reason she's hired is because within the, the show that they're talking about the Australian government cutting funds for this group and the, the amount of money they get. And the, the whole point is like, she's hired to, to put, prove a point as to why, funding is needed for um a family violence center like this to get people help and to explain that um and it's like obviously the show then does a good job explaining to people watching it why it's necessary as well um i would highly recommend it i thought it was fantastic okay and then you watched last king of the cross um this is not a particularly good show but i was entertained (laughs) by it um, I'll admit, unlike the other ones where I was actually watching them, this one I was definitely watching on my second screen here while doing other things. <laughs> it fell into that territory. But it did remind me, like, it is 100% like of those first, like, sort of three, four seasons of Underbelly, back when mm. Underbelly was, like, at least entertaining, you know? And then I think I fell off, like, it just got shit. Um, this falls into that. And obviously, this character, this person, um, John Ibrahim was covered in, I think, season two of Under- Underbelly as well. Wasn't like the main character, but one of the main characters in the second yep. season. So um, the Golden Mile, whatever season that was, two or three. Um, yeah, this entire show just covers him. The problem with this show is he's heavily involved with it. Um, it's based on like a book he wrote, and you can tell he's heavily involved in it uh, to the point that mm-hmm. he just does not come across as a bad person at all. Like, it covers some bad thing he does, but it's always like yeah. he was pushed he's or like he was, you know, yeah. yeah, he's just, and that sort of ruins it. The reason you watch this show though is because Tim Roth is having a fucking great time. <laughs> and he, <laughs> so Tim Roth plays this sort of amalgamation of multiple big uh, gangsters, Australian, like at, at the time sort of like he's the he's the person that they're trying to like eventually like he's he's john's like nemesis kind of i guess um but yeah tom tim roth is just showing up having a fucking great time he's playing such a like off weird sort of dude who you know and not like shouty like we like like that sort of dude he's like just playing this guy who people try to talk to him seriously and be like man we got to kill this guy like you know like he's fucking up business for a sort of thing and tim roth's over in the corner i don't know what the basis is for this character he's just doing whatever he's like yeah, well, I just got to feed my fucking chickens, mate. So I reckon you should feed it yourself. You know, like, it's just such such a weird character. Like, I'm not even... Um, and also, Ka- Callan Mulvey, Mulvey, whatever his name is. Um, he's in this... He plays uh, Crooked Cop. He's quite good as well as one of the main characters. And I was happy to see him get, like, a full sort of main role. Because quite often he's in things as a supporting character and, you know, or dude in the Avengers who's off to the side. Um, 
a couple times he shows up in those films and dude in Batman v Superman gets his ass kicked. I don't know. Like he's that guy. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say I would suggest it, but if you're going to watch it, just watch it for Tim Roth. Yeah. So coincidentally, I watched uh, the last year of television, which is the yearly recap of Australian. I want to watch that as well. That's the one on binge, right? Binge. Yeah, I need to yes. watch that as well. Yeah. There is a segment in it in which they point out a bunch of continuity errors in the last cross of <laughs> Last King of the Cross. Uh specifically, two people get murdered and then they show up at a hearing later. <laughs> in, <laughs> two years after they get murdered. Yeah, well, you know, you don't know what you a know. few years of rest can do for you. But yeah, that's fantastic. Lots of really good fun segments. Um Watch including, last year, yeah. Yeah. They talk. He talks about the. There was a joke made on the project about there was a religious joke made on the project, and he kind of breaks down the timeline of events that led to it becoming a big New story. issue, a big story, and like he points out, like maybe a hundred thousand people watched the joke when it was actually delivered, and then it got on social media, and then hit twenty two hundred thousand people watched it, and then it like mm. got. It proliferated from there and became such a big deal. Like there were death threats at Channel Ten and stuff. So, really interesting stuff. So, and also really funny as well. So, check that out. Um, I'm going to talk about something that's taken up a lot of my time over the holiday break. Have you heard of Game Changer? Yes, I know that name. Game Changer. I feel like if I'm good. So, do you know Dropout TV? <laughs> I feel like I should. I know this name. Who does it? Who's involved? I feel like so. This is for so. This is from the company that was formerly College Humor. Yes, that's Um, why. Yes, that's why I know it. Yes, yes, yes. So they chained, got rid of the College Humor name, became Dropout. Um, have their own like streaming platform. Um, but they also have now like you can watch everything on YouTube with a YouTube membership. I've been seeing clips through like of game changer pop up on my feed or of uh other dropout stuff so i finally like took the plunge paid for the membership started watching game changer so the concept of game changer is it's a game show but every single episode well in most cases every single episode is a different format of game show and the contestants don't know what game show they're going to be in until they start so like the first one is like a very improv based like make a certain animal noise and like, okay and then like then it's like builds from a bunch of different prompts and like trying to make the best sound and they awarded points but then another episode is like a murder mystery and they need to figure out who committed the murder to win um really funny obviously it's uh all the cast of the actual show is like people from college humor so it's like they already have like pretty good chemistry and they're all very funny and improv and smart and like quick on the feet and that kind of stuff um but yeah, I've gone down the rabbit hole. There's like five very short seasons worth there. Uh, season three was done during COVID. So it's all from home, very uh, over Zoom kind of thing. Um, but that's fun. And there's a lot of repeats that season. Um, but it's really fun. Uh, season six is dropping in February. So uh, I'm probably going to keep subscribed until that fully you, drops. Is this just YouTube Red that you're talking about? No, like you have to pay like uh, I think it's seven dollars for a YouTube membership to drop out TV. Yeah, okay. Like, um, did you ever watch much college? 
humor stuff or no? Not really. Okay. I used to watch a so, shit ton when I was in high school, so but Yes. So the other thing other so there's from Game Chamber Games Changer, they had a spin-off show called Make Some Noise, which is pretty much uh is pretty much uh whose lies in it anyway. So they give you a prompt, you have to improv that prompt. Mm. And that's a lot of fun. Obviously that's a huge you get a bunch of laughs. They also have a show called Breaking News, which is they have a bunch of people try to do news report that they've never read the news report for, and it just ends up being a bunch of funny jokes and stuff, and they have to try to not laugh. So that's really fun as well. And of course, they've got Dimension 20, which is their D&D show, which is uh, a D&D show that I feel it's probably up there with one of the most popular ones Yeah, available. Brennan Lee Bundlegan is the Dungeon Master. He's really fantastic. I watched the first season. That's really good, so... Yeah, I would recommend February when February drops around. Subscribe to Dropout TV. Watch as much content as you can. And then, you know, <laughs> if you don't like it, unsubscribe. All right. Uh, Dylan, you've been watching Stolen Youth Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence, which I watched last year. Did you? Did you talk about it? I can't remember. Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, must have been like, what, when it came out, study or something? Yeah, around about, I think. It was a while ago. Um, yeah, I thought it was decent. I, um, so yeah, this is about like a, so it's such a weird story of just a dude yes. who, like a, a dad who like shows up at these college kids and was like, I'm just going to crash here for a week. And they're like, yeah, a bit weird, but whatever we'll do for a week. And then he sticks around for like the next 15 years, 20 years of that. <laughs> he just kind of. So that's like blackmailing. Starts him. a mini cult. Yeah. That's a mini call. Like it's, it is really the biggest tale of like, like the if you want to watch something, because people who are like, I don't understand how people get like manipulated and stuff. Like it must be dumb people. I feel like this is the best thing to watch as because it's a bunch of really smart people who mm-hmm. are just caught by a really good manipulator, and one of the people is a doctor. Yeah, well, a who lives in another city. Yeah, and he manages to manipulate that person to literally move cities and give up yeah. her life. Yeah, yeah, and convinces them all they've been poisoned, and it's it's fucking crazy. So, my only downside is I definitely feel like the ending, like the covering of the, the non-covering of his trial, is annoying to me. I just felt I felt ripped off with that. Like as far as like this goes as a documentary, like I, I it focuses. You feel like it was kind of rushed out. Yeah, well, it just, like, yeah, put to out get to it out it. ASAP. Because the trial was happening, like, what, a month before this came out? I think. So, mm. like, right up until it released. So that was the part where I was a bit confused. Because um, they spent the last episode with just t- the two girls. I'm like, okay, mm. that's fine. Like, one of them's, like, one of them deserved the amount of time she got. The other one, I feel like, got too much or there wasn't enough there just they kept coming back to her and sh- the same shit same shit same shit i'm like okay like just as far as like i understand like there's nothing like against her like and she needed help as well but i'm like just like as a story as a documentary i'm like yep what's happening with him over here like how are the do i have any mm-hmm. interviews of police like i just felt like it was missing something there, so. all right uh and then you also watched i'm a stalker <clears throat> did i what's that one I've actually forgot this. What I assume that? it's got something to do with a stalker or stalkers. Oh no, I did watch that. Hey, yeah, the for the whole first season or whatever. Yeah, so every episode is a different person. Uh, 
being interviewed in prison who have been committed uh, for being for different degrees of stalking. And then it also interviews and talks to the person who they were stalking or the multiple people, people they could have been stalking. Um, you could view this as like, why are we giving, why are we giving any time to people in prison or whatever? Um, it is interesting still because some of them, most of them, I would say, have understood and hopefully get help and are able to change why and how they were doing these things. Some of them, you can just tell they're just going to get out and do the same shit again. But I think also as like, it's what stalking is one of those things I just feel like is a word that's thrown out and people don't actually understand for people who get charged or how hard it is even to get charged. Cause that's everything this, this does really well. A few of the cases where it's like, well, most of the cases, the people who were getting stalked would get a restraining order and you, you, this just proves that that does shit, but nothing. Cause then the people just continue. Cause it's like, we well, have to, they have to be caught. But like, if, if the, the person's like rocks up on your doorstep and you've got a restraining order, you call the cops, they leave. Like there's nothing that can really be done. So um, it does. Yeah. It's interesting. Watch does a really good job at like showing you different degrees of stalking to from like obsessed lovers to I want revenge and potentially could kill someone. Like there's all like all sorts in between. And it's not just guys. There was like two girls in it, I think. Um, so it gives you like a, a, a bit more different of a spectrum there so um yeah i thought i and some episodes are obviously more interesting than others depending on what but yeah all right and then you watched emily starring emma mackie yeah really good loved it it was good shit um didn't quite make my top 10 list or anything like that but um and very beautiful that, film was that from 2023 yeah january it came out okay. <laughs> at least in australia i looked it up because it okay. was in my top 20 at some point there, there but not in my top 10 um so yeah it's based on it was not based on this is like it's the true story of um emily bronte who wrote wuthering heights uh her life or her young years i guess uh and what she went through and everything it's just very much like the it falls into that what have we called this period of do you enjoy this period of film you know what have we called this 1800s sort of shit you know, like what? What is this? What is this period? What, what was this actually called? Look at the Wikipedia you know? page; it doesn't say. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Like we're we're talking about this period. <laughs> yeah, you, you the can period. Look at a, period. You, you can look at a screenshot of of a of a film set in this period, and you go, "Oh, that period." <laughs> is is how, how I feel about okay. it. Um, she's the, really good. The Emma period. Yeah, Emma. It's the Emma period. You know, it's the. Pride and Prejudice period. It's the you know uh, all of those that that time. Regency era is what is that actually what it's called? Sure. From seventeen ninety five to eighteen thirty seven. Yeah, Little Women and shit. I don't know well, any I think of that. Little Women. Yeah. Uh, think that this that's period. what this is. That period. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she has all, all her sisters. Uh, she's trying to grow up. Obviously, Emily's like sort of the considered the weirder kid. Has some of one of her sisters a bit mean, makes fun of her, calls her a bit weirder because she, you know, similar to you know what's his face from Little Women. It is the thing of she doesn't want it. Like she doesn't dream of getting married and 
you know living the normal life and stuff like that she she enjoys playing make-believe she she enjoys running around she she likes writing these weird stories and and stuff like that um not everything that a a young lady should be doing you know (laughs) all that sort of stuff so um yeah very imaginative brain um obviously but it is a sad story it's not a like yeah she like I know it's true. It's fucking history. So what? What's the spoiler? But obviously, she, she dies by the end of the film. Her her court leaves the what she goes through can and may not like she she definitely could have lived. In another word, where I feel like she was surrounded by not that she kills herself, but like the film very heavily implies like she could have like if she was surrounded by more supportive people and part of her lives, maybe the way she would have acted once she got sick, which is a problem. A lot of people got sick during this period. She might have reacted differently. And stuff like that but um yeah i thought it was really great shot beautifully it's uh everyone's fantastic in it old actors even the guy who's a fuckhead and the the love interest who is a shithead the actor was good um old sister's great um australian field too so there you go is it interesting yeah, australian field. i thought it was british nope australian all right let's move into the mandatory netflix segment of the show going an hour 15 still going and now's the time that dylan can finally talk about one of the most <laughs> divisive movies of this award season maestro yeah i thought it was pretty shit to be honest i'm gonna i'm just gonna <laughs> go out there straight away and say it i think this is a very just pretentious film it's a it is the most i'm just like i i'm went in willing because people make all the jokes like, oh, it's just an award season movie and stuff like that. But I got to be honest, like that's that's all it came across to, to me. Like from the way it's shot, from the way it's acted. Like the only good the only good thing in this movie is Carrie Mulligan's really good. Um, Matt Bomer is like really good for the first like half an hour that he's in it um, and then he disappears. But other than that, I hated Bradley Cooper in this. I think the performance is way too over the top. It's ridiculous. I also don't think it's a particularly interesting film. I don't understand like it's it thinks it's focused on their relationship as like the main thing but it doesn't really say anything about it at all like other than like here's a thing like i i don't know i i think it's a pointless movie i think it thinks it's very smart and beautiful and like old acting's fantastic and he thinks he's gonna win all the awards but yeah no i i really didn't like it it was fucking it was boring all right uh so i watched the brother's son the new uh action comedy series on netflix uh that follows uh two brothers one named bruce who uh get who lives in uh los angeles with his mum, uh going to uh, medical school to try and become a doctor but also his true dream is to get into improv um which is against his mother's wishes but his other brother is living in taipei uh, and is the weapon, I guess, or the the main, you know, hitman for the uh, one of the uh, Taipei uh, gangs. Um, he's like his father is the one of the most renowned gangsters. Um, but when his father has an attempted assassination, he has to go to LA to keep the others, his mother and his brother, safe. But they, his brother, doesn't know anything about his life. In, about their family connections to the mob or anything like that so um yeah and then people start coming after them 
Uh, it's really enjoyable. It's a fun action comedy show. The show that it reminds me most of is Chuck, um, which doesn't isn't surprising because one of the creators of the show is also one of the co-creators of Chuck. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Maybe it's... I'm thinking of a different file check. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, it's got those kind of vibes of like an action comedy and a fish out of water um, and a kid like trying to do the best uh, for his family and that kind of stuff. And the yeah, I think it's really interesting. The Bruce character, the elder son, has like got is kind of torn between you know wanting to have his own in life and kind of want family duty and like he's kind of he, he's developed this love of baking and like he wants to explore that. But you know, he's uh. His nickname is uh, Chairleg because he one time he kills a guy with the chairleg, <laughs> and that, that's how he builds a like reputation um, as like a someone not to be crossed with. Um, yeah, really fun. It's interesting. Michelle Yeoh obviously plays a mother, but she's never she isn't a martial artist in this, which is an interesting choice. I mean, considering it's her good. background, I, feel like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, she gets she's done too. enough, yeah. you know. But she's she's very interesting, and she like has a very different way of. Uh, she's probably the smartest person in the room every in every room, so uh, that's really good. The action is actually pretty solid, I think, for a television show. Um, there is one action sequence at a like a top golf, um, which is pretty fantastic and pretty funny at the same time. Where you know he wrecks shop on one floor, and then he realizes there's another floor to go up of this golf driving range. Uh, it's great. It's really enjoyable. I would recommend checking it out. Uh, the Brother's Son. Uh, then I also watched the documentary Bitconned, which follows this guy. Uh, Is this the one where I watched the trailer where he's like getting he's like getting his like suit done in the mirror and he's like talking yes. about like how he would do it all again and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was it? Trapani. Something Trapani. Right, Ray Trapani is like the he's like pretty much a con man from birth. Uh, wants to pull scams, like always wants to kind of be rich, but uh, want didn't work. really want to work for it. Yeah. Like uh, runs a bunch of like smaller scams. Like in high, like to set the sketch, set the scene in high school. At one point, he steals like a subscription pad, and then like uses it to like get a bunch of oxycotton, and then uses that to like sell it off and like make a bunch of money. Smart, um, yeah. yeah. As you do. Uh, then he, he he and some friends start a uh, like uh, high end car dealership, no, like a car rental in Florida. Uh, but they end up. The problem is with that is they start spending too much money, uh, and just, like just take keeping money out of the company. Uh, so the two of them decide, hey, you know what would be the best thing to do? We should get into crypto because there are no scam artists in crypto. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And their big idea is we're going to create a uh, a card that you can use your Bitcoin with mm. automatically, like you would a normal bank card. Yep. Except that's really hard to do. And these are two people with absolutely no tech background. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they pretty much scam a bunch of people. And the <laughs> the craziest thing is, like, they, they were going, they were getting barely any money for this idea. But then, like, someone in the crypto space accidentally puts their name in one of their reports as something that people should get invested in. And then they like skyrocket and make a bunch of money. So it's on, on somebody's accident that they were able to succeed to a degree. Uh, 
but yeah, it's a really messed up story uh, of these people, like, you know, try just the the audacity of a lot of the stuff that they do in this. Um, to these, like, Crypto Bros they get sense. interviewed at several points, and like, pretty much the first thing that comes out of their mouths is like, this isn't a scam. That's you know. when you know. It. Uh, completely unprompted. <laughs> completely unprompted. They say, this is in this game. Yeah. So, you know, read just that what you will. That's a really fascinating movie. Uh, and then I also watched... That. I also watched Ban on the Run, which follows... Uh, so there's... It's about a uh, fund called uh, the One Malaysia Development uh, Fund, which is a fund... Developed by the Malaysian government to spend on like much like uh like Saudi Arabia and that and like f- try and invest in other places to like uh bring new industries to Malaysia and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then this this uh person Joe Low Joe Low gets put in charge of this uh, and then ends up using all this money for his own personal gain uh, to the extent where he go- goes to Hollywood and is like. Having uh like parties with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jamie Foxx, Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, that kind of stuff. They use the money from this fund to make the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> they okay. they literally funded that movie. That movie would not have been made without them embezzling this money. <laughs> and, yeah. It really adds up for that movie too. So yeah, it it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um. And yeah, this the documentary kind of explores like his background, what impact this this fund scandal had on the government, and like how this kind of like through the entire history, like one party in Malaysia had always been in power in the government, and the scandal was so big that they got tossed out of government and that kind of stuff. So very interesting movie. I would recommend checking that one out. Uh, and then the last thing on our list, Dylan, you watched Trevor Noah's latest special. Where was I? Yeah, this was really funny. Um, this this has a great bit. I want to. Uh, this has like a great bit to end, and it has a great bit to start. It has a great. This is a good comedy special where there's like at least like three bits that I could easily spoil for you now, but I don't like. I don't want to. But like, um, I show like I I pulled one of them out and like fast forward and showed my dad the other day because I thought it was so funny and he found it funny too. So, but yeah, obviously, I would say Trevor Noah. If you watched any of his stuff, it's just like more of his sort of type of comedy, which is, uh, I would say he's someone that's good at pointing out, like he, this, the special starts with him being like, I went to Germany recently. I never been to Germany. Um, and it does some funny bits about like, you know, airport. Like he, he like, he, he builds, he builds, he's like some funny little jokes, make crowd laugh. And he like builds to his like main point, which is he's like, Germany's interesting. Like, because they don't hide their history. He's like, you know, they're like, we did a lot of fucked up shit, you know, World War Two, you know, like Hitler and stuff. He's like, they'll have statues up. They're like, yeah, we did that. That guy's our fault. But like, we're just going to like have statues and like things. And like, they're constantly wearing their shame. And like, he's like, basically everywhere I went, someone was like, sorry for World War Two, <laughs> you know, like uh, all this stuff. He's like, but then you come back to America and everyone's like, we have done nothing ever wrong. Like, we just like, like <laughs> built, like everything gets built up into this, like tying it back up into, and this is the thing, like obviously some people hate, like political humor and stuff but i feel like every segment like the three acts of his show had like a really good like like jokes like it builds 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 and then like sort of has like a, 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 a main a message builds to a main point and like yeah and he does have like some very good points to make about um different things but the joke that the show ends on i i think is well worth watching it for and i, I 
it's I just don't think you could you could plan it. The the way it plays out, he sets up a joke for the audience, and when the audience just fucking delivers, like in a way that like I'm so glad they used this audience for the, the special because you, you just couldn't have paid him to make the show end as well as it does. So I I don't, I don't want to spoil it because it's just so good. So um, but I laughed a lot. I thought it was good. It was a very good a good comedy special. All right. That's everything in our watch history. Let's move into some film news. And obviously, we've missed a lot of weeks of film news. So this week's top three is top three stories we missed. Definitely in the top three. Tell them, what's your number three? All right, so I really struggled this as I messaged to you. Because I was like, I don't know what the fuck happened. And you may... You just like, paid no attention to anything in the news the last three months, last month. I mean, kind of. I just feel like it was such a busy... <laughs> such a busy period so i'm gonna be honest every you gave like a list of like six seven things everything i've picked is from (laughs) (laughs) but also the stuff you listed was like the biggest stuff but i don't don't want to like set you up to be like you just picked everything all right number three i went with 28 years later so i loved the first film a lot second one i was like it's fine um but again a big horror fan a lot of friends growing up in high school horror fans and everything so 28 days later was um weeks later sorry um was our like one of probably the most watched like at sleep sleepover sounds like let's have a sleepover and watch 28 weeks weeks later but we did um so really really enjoyed that film and sequel um and i'm just really excited i guess for cillian murphy um danny boyle like both so much more you know, experience between them and Silly Murphy now, a lot more star power. So um, to get more eyes, I guess, on that franchise would be cool. Okay. My number three story is Amazon Prime price going up. So the price is going up, well, at least in America, uh, by $3 if you want to keep it ad-free. Otherwise, the base price, there's going to be ads running in Prime Video. And the overreaction to this, I feel, has been completely over the top. Really? You're going to cancel your Prime Video subscription because there's going to be ads or you have to pay an extra $3? Really? You're going to unsubscribe to Amazon Prime no one in protest? from Amazon Prime. Really? You're really actually going to do that? You're going to pay full price for delivery of stuff? Is that what you're going to do? I don't think so. Talk bullshit. You actually want stuff to go back to when it was cable? You want to, you want to go back to the time period where you can only watch things when it was at, aired at a set time? That's what. That's your preference of how to consume your media. You you have to watch what these channels decide to put on, which is mostly reruns of stuff that you've watched a gazillion times before, and that you can can't unsubscribe without because you have to pay. You have to have you're locked into like a twenty five month contract. That's what you want. You want video sh- stores to come back. You want you yeah. want to go to a video <laughs> store. <laughs> you want to go to a video drive. To a fu- potentially very far location, go to a video store to get that one movie that you want to get, and then find out they've got absolutely no copies of it, and you have to go rent some other new release for the same price that you're currently getting it for digital. Is that really what you want? Really? Yes. All of that? <laughs> no, half of that. Okay, if you want a video, you can just go to. I guess all video stores are dying, so... Of course you want a video store. You're talking about the guy, someone... I literally got two Blu-rays in the mail today. 
Yeah, but you, you want to own those. Yeah. You don't want to rent them in here. I mean, I miss that. Don't. That's a whole. I miss rental stores. Don't worry. It's okay. It's almost the second story. Uh, what did I pick for second? Hold on with us. Uh, Mickey Mouse. Wait, number two. Mm. So, here's my feelings on this. And we've talked about this before. Um, before it happened, I believe. I think yes, on here. coming into public domain. Coming into public. Well, I feel like obviously we talked about Winnie the Pooh last year. Yeah, I am all for everything. Like I, I never want these rules to change. And the thing is, they're gonna because people are gonna wiggle their way out of it and whatever else. And um, I'm sure, like Disney's already like it, the thing is Mickey Mouse in public domain. It's like one. It thing isn't technically Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. It's the it's Steamboat. Like, yeah, it's Steamboat, Steamboat Mickey. Really. Not all of Mickey Mouse. People getting upset, like I've had two things of people like, how's this thing? People that don't understand like copyright and like the hundred year, like the legality of it. And then you got that as other people being like, it's ridiculous now people just make stupid things with it. And then you had that game come out, the first person shooter one, then you had these like short videos and already people going crazy. But like, I just, I, I actually think it's good for, and I think this is a conversation that we had originally brought up i'm all for i think at a certain stage 100 years is a long fucking time at a certain stage stuff going into public domain just allows people who are trying to learn a craft of some sort having more access to stuff to play around with i'm all for it like and we wouldn't have a lot of the movies that we do have now like um, if you just google like what's in public domain the amount of stuff that is like uh, is, is and that's the reason why you get like peter pans and um, weird shit. All like the that. Sherlock's and the shit. All the Shakespeare's and the Peter Pan's and um, all that kind of stuff. John, whatever, the John Mars thing, whatever that thing called. Um, there's a lot of stuff in public domain, I think, that people don't realize and the reason you get multiple. All people. the, like, horror movie stuff. Yeah, a lot of horror movie stuff. Like Dracula and Vampires. And and... Like all that Frankenstein shit and whatever else. So, yep. um, people just get the, the, it's like, it's a free, it's a, it, having access to free license stuff that you can have your own take on, I think is, is, isn't a bad thing. And I love Winnie the Pooh, like Disney Winnie the Pooh, but also I like that stupid horror movie. It's just a dumb, stupid horror movie. It doesn't ruin mm. it for kids or anything like that. I, I, yeah, I know. I'm all, the amount of uproar over this was a lot. I'm not totally against it, but I feel like we're not going to get any good stuff for a long period of time. Right now, we're getting stuff just from people trying to exploit. It you're getting, becoming, coming, coming you're getting into public domain. jank, or you're getting AI yes. shit. Jank, that's meme stuff. Yeah, quick, quick buck quick kind stuff. of crap. Yeah. Um, anything of any value will not you, come. Did you for see, have you years. seen the other movie that Winnie the Pooh producers doing his Bambi? <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> like, I'll probably add this to the list. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this my number two because I think we'll probably both have the same number one. Uh, my number two is Tom Cruise signing ex- uh, a production deal with uh, Warner Brothers. Mm. The man who's the last movie star, uh, as this article has credited him, well, Slash Film credited him, signs with Warner Brothers and major new deal. Uh, reading from, yeah, Slash Film. Tom Cruise, one of the biggest stars of all time, has found a new home at Warner Brothers. Uh, 
co-chairs and CEOs Michael DeLuca and Abby, Pam Abdi have announced they will jointly develop and produce original theatrical films, both original and within franchises, starring crews beginning in 2024. They've entered into what's being called a new strategic partnership. Cruise and his production company will have offices on the Warner Bros. Discovery lot in Burbank, signaling the seriousness of the marriage. Cruise is one of the last bankable movie stars on the planet, have it making this that a big win for Warner Brothers. Uh, the partnership marks a return to Warner Brothers for Cruise, whose filmography with the studio includes movies like Edge of Tomorrow, Rock of Ages, The Last Samurai, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, Interview with the Vampire, Risky Business, and The Outsiders. Uh, so yeah, this is very interesting because obviously he's been heavily involved with Paramount uh, the last several years, like mm. since he'd been like on this latest kick of Mission Impossible movies. It feels I like I mean he's still every- making like yeah, I think still, yeah, he he isn't an exclusive contract, no, so he still has the option films, to yeah, yes, um, but yeah, this is really interesting because why would you go work for Warner Brothers right now? Based on anything, everything they've done and everything they kind of stand for, especially Tom Cruise, who like seems to be so heavily invested in movies being a theatrical experience, being a like. I a, I can tell you why. Thing. It's because he knows his own worth, and he knows I'm fucking Tom Cruise, and I'll get what I want. Yeah, he knows. In a fight he knows he cannot be fucked. He'll, he can't be fucked. He will actually fight David yeah. Vasslav. Yeah. He will punch win. that motherfucker in the face if he says he's not putting his movie on the screen. My my joke when this news broke was, wow, they must have actually greenlit the movie where he goes into actual space. Yeah. Uh, like, Which they're actually giving money to do that. Could be true. <laughs> but yeah. Does this, uh, I don't know, does this kind of signal the end of the Mission Impossible franchise, potentially? Like, no. Is he going to do another movie after the Dead Reckoning sequel? Did you say they rewrote? Yeah, they retitled it. They removed the part one, which, you know, isn't unheard of for a Tom Cruise action movie to change the title after release. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Also, the big rumor is, well, there's two other rumors around Tom Cruise. One, Top Gun Maverick, the Top Gun Maverick sequel is currently in the development that he could potentially be involved in. No, they didn't. Uh, They officially say it was. I thought I saw a story that said it's in development. They didn't confirm that he's involved. Yeah, okay. he's like or going to star in it. Um, and then the other one is they really want him to do a Edge of Tomorrow sequel. I mean, a lot of people want uh, Edge of Tomorrow sequel. So yeah, but yeah, that's kind of why they specifically poached, tried to get him to make that as one of his uh, part of the deal. So yeah, really interesting bit of film news there. Dylan, what's your f- number one film news that we missed? Emmys are fucked. <laughs> Is your number one news story that uh, Better Call Saul now holds the record for most nominations with zero wins? I wouldn't say that's. I wouldn't put it as my number one, but it's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't want to say it that way. This, I mean, the Emmys are my also my number one. Uh, yeah, Rio Seahorn, nothing. Bob Odenkirk, nothing. Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul, rip. Yeah? It is actually the most... I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not even memeing when I say this. I was legit sad. I think every it's... year, I kept holding out like, well, there's next year. There's next year. You know what I mean? This year, and, 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 like, and I do meme on it a bit, but really wanted her to win and whatever else. But 
and I, I this is I probably got a and I try not to let these shows get to me because I'm like it is just one person's opinion or whatever. But for a moment, this was me, and I would say Better Call Saul's my favorite show of all time. Like I'll definitely like I'd say that's number one. I think it's the best show ever made. Like that's number one favorite show. Like I can like that's where I'm at with this, and this was my you know like sort of sport-ish reaction to this came out where I was just like, I was not happy. <laughs> like I was not happy with like with the disrespect <laughs> that here's my you know, well you really love the White Lotus. Yeah. There's no I way think you ranked it above <laughs> Oh no Better Call Saul didn't come out this year. Oh, no. So no world, yeah. Would I ever rank that show above Better Call Saul. Um that show's really good. Better Call Saul is a great show. Jennifer Coolidge. Me. Jennifer Coolidge should no way. It, I. Uh, there's how her like best drama, dress drama, right? Mm-hmm. That show is a drama. It's a dramedy, yep. right? It's a bit of both. She is a hundred percent in the E side of the drama D, and her winning over everyone else that was nominated, I think, in this particular year. In particular, the last year for Raya to win. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I think, yeah. Better Call Saul is just a, one of the most unlucky shows. <laughs> just every year coming against some new uh, the, sensation. The history that books kind of will not look back on this I mean, Dylan, don't worry. In 25 years, at the 100th anniversary of uh, Emmys, uh, they'll all come on stage and groan about how they never won any awards. What I'm really hopeful for, and I've seen a lot of other people, like, because I follow some, like, fan channels and shit on Twitter, right? Because, of course, I do. Really? Um, <laughs> shocking. Some, I saw some one of them tweet something like, it's all right, everyone. Um, yeah, it was like, it's all right, everyone. The outcome of this is just means that when Vince and... Um, are up there accepting for their Apple TV show, they can like talk shit on everyone. And I'm like, okay, that's my like, <laughs> silver lining currently. Because that's what they're working on that's, now. That's their your show, hope. So, yeah. That's your hope. Leading performance is what she, is what we're we're leading towards. Yeah. I, okay. I, I don't get it. I And again, I just, <laughs> I don't understand. Like the show is so good. Is the best written, some of the best character work you'll ever see, and I don't understand. And is it just because it's like I did it just get I just did it just get stuck in? Oh, it's just a spin-off. Like, like it's just a spin-off. But the thing is, the show But it got like, nominated each year. Yeah. But I mean, much. even just people in general. So people were watching it. And people, you know, they just decided it wasn't the best every year. But it was. All right. Uh, so what are your feelings on the Emmys overall? Like, uh, oh, fuck the Emmys. You know, obviously, this was a bit of a weird year where like three shows kind of dominated all the awards. Um, and also, it, this was also a weird year where obviously all the shows that were being honoured were from like, potentially like as far back ago. as a year and a half ago. Yeah. So <laughs> the bear got a bunch of wins for the season this year for season one. Yeah. So the bear won a bunch of shit. Succession won a so bunch of shit. 
I would imagine the bear is probably going to win next year. Go back to back in every single category. Yeah. Based on what we like for season two. In comedy. <laughs> Which is fine, because uh, the bear wasn't upsetting me because it wasn't up against other stuff that I cared about. Hmm. Uh, and then Succession, obviously, final season. Shit show. One in pretty much every category except Best Spawning Actress. Mm. Um, and then the Beef won most of the limited series categories. Mm. So, everything. wasn't a lot of love shared across a lot of shows. No. Uh, was just, the main there critique was a point I've there seen from people. I'm, I'm pretty sure Beef at some stage, four, just, just back to back four times a row. It's like, just stay up there. Like, well, yeah, well, they did all the limited award series yeah. awards at the same time, beef, so beef, it beef. can't be helped. Uh, what did you think of the ceremony overall? I thought the most interesting thing to me... Was his mum? Was it... Oh. No, it ran under three hours. Did it really? It started at, what, 12 o'clock your time and finished mm. at three o'clock. So it's crazy they presented, That's... what, 27 awards and had time to give all these people a bunch of speeches? I don't Crazy. know, like, I heard it's pretty hard to give people time to do speeches, like, don't know how you, don't yeah. how you work that out, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good show, fine, like, like, I I think the winners, obviously, I've probably, <laughs> yeah, that's, I which I'm, I cannot escape my personal feelings for this particular year's Emmys, um, but hosting was good, jokes were mostly good. No standout shitty segments. Um, I like that they had a theme, like doing the the the, sets the history of sets like a bunch of reunions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the reunions and stuff that was pretty fun. It was weirdly um, a bunch of shows that didn't get recognized by the Emmys. <laughs> like here's Martin, a show that won absolutely no Emmys. Here's Alan here's the Field. cast of uh, uh, Always Sun in Philadelphia, mm. who have never been here before. Hmm. And then Rob um, McElhenney is apparently watching the Eagles game during the ceremony. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> His wife would have posted. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say as well? I don't think as I'll say the in memoriam song choices were a bit weird. But they're just doing the Fast Furious <laughs> Charlie Puth song. Fast and Furious song, and then just and then they the, brought the friends. Doing thing. the the friends scene was just a little bit. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. You know, highlighting one person in particular? Yeah. Is that... Yeah, just weird, yeah. <laughs> you know a terrible thing? I was like, why are they doing the Friends theme? Did someone <laughs> in that show die? It's fucking hell. What happened to Jennifer Anderson? Uh, <laughs> Alright. Um, so yeah, that was the Emmys. We missed it. But, you know, there's more awards... We're dropping this episode of Weird Time because we're recording this Monday. Academy Award nominations are coming out <laughs> the day of release after we do this. So, we'll do a uh, memoriam for Matthew Perry there too. Yeah, he was great in the whole nine yards. Um, Actually, was. and uh, movie what's, Zac- what's the other Zach from movie? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, Seventeen again, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about Emmy not. Academy Award nominations next week. But for now, let's give some thumbs to trailers. Uh, of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, we're going to kick things off with Abigail, directed by Matt Bentinelli, Alpen and Tyler Gillett, starring Melissa Berra, Dan Stevens, Alicia Weir, 
Catherine Newton, William Catlett, Kevin Durand, Angus Cloud, and Giancarlo Esposito. A group of would-be criminals kidnaps the 12-year-old daughter of a powerful underworld figure, holding her for ransom in an isolated mansion. Their plan starts to unravel when they discover the young captive is actually a bloodthirsty vampire. Dylan, you're a... What's the name of their group? <laughs> Fan? Oh, Radio Silence. Yes, you're a Radio Silence fan. Yeah. Um, I think this looks fantastic. Double thumbs up. Uh, it's crazy that, like, I always knew that. So my Twitter joke that I didn't tweet because I forgot is that, so the, <laughs> I always knew Matilda was a wit, uh, was a fucking vampire. Uh, so the, the main <laughs> girl, that's, I, was, I watched the trial. I was like, where do I know her from? And I looked it up straight away. I was like, ah, it's the fucking the Matilda from last Matilda movie. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, really like Actually, her parents in Matilda were good guys because of. <laughs> Yeah, it was treating him badly because she was yeah, a vampire. The that's, that's actually a sequel, so. She actually yeah. had telekinesis because she's a vampire. All along, I really, really hope that people go watch this movie because after everything that went down with Scream, um, like going to watch this is a showing the support for Radio Silence. Not that they were fired for that movie, but just like proving a point that they they're like the, you know they were part of the success of that but also 100% go watch this to show support for Melissa Barrera I feel like it's important to show like yep. to give Paramount the fucking finger basically um, mm-hmm. yeah like the rest of the cast as well Captain Newton Dan Stevens uh, Gene Carlo Esposito Angus Cloud and I think what will be his last performance I think yeah I think this is his last role one of his final performances yeah obviously he um, passed away last year so um yeah, really cool trailer. I like it. It has a very fun vibe, which is obviously, and they just do they do fun horror movies. Is the thing they do really fun horror movies, and this looks to have a hundred percent that vibe. Just the the way it plays out is like the fucking no. It was a part which is I think the dude like Dan Stevens or whoever says like she fucking flying or something like that. It's just, there's so many like funny lines. I think hey fucking the, ballet. Yeah, hey fucking ballet and shit like that. Like it's the thing. Like they're Scream movies were a lot of fun, but then, like, obviously, Ready or Not, which was sort of their... Like, they did something before that, um, Southbound and stuff, but Ready or Not was, like, their... That was their, like, show yeah. up, like, we're here to fucking rock, like, their big movie They're that pushed out, people. Yeah. And that movie is just a lot of fun as well. And that's set in one location, one house. So this is sort of... Almost feels like going back to their, like, roots a bit. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Double thumbs up. Can't wait. Super King. Uh, I'm gonna give it... One up, one down. Not it's not because it's a scary movie. I feel like maybe they showed a little bit too much in this trailer. Um I know you need to set up the premise and that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, I guess it would have been interesting if they kept a little bit more mystery around. I it. thought there's gonna be a twist though. You wait. There'll be a twist. Yeah, I guess. Also interesting because obviously this movie I'd I'd seen Melissa Barrow's name constantly brought up with this movie in like I guess she's more of a supporting cast member. It's hard to tell. I know, it's hard to tell who the main yeah. people are. Like, it's just a cast of people. I got the impression that she was going to be, like, the the monster. But no, it's a little girl. Mm. <laughs> little Matilda. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a, it could be potentially a fun time. I might check it out. You know, I enjoyed their tone in the screen movies. So, uh, you haven't watched yeah. me. This one seems a little bit more gory. <laughs> I haven't seen Ready or Not. So I feel like you should watch, watch that. that and and if, you, if you can survive that, I feel like 
then even though this is a vampire movie, yeah. I feel like you sh- Even though there's a moment where a girl, for, I think probably Catherine Newton, falls into a vat of dead yeah. bodies. Yeah. Vat of blood. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, so this is releasing in cinemas on the 18th of April. Next trailer is for The New Look, created by Todd A. Kessler, starring Ben Mendelsohn, Juliette Binoche, uh, Macy Williams, John Malkovich, Emily Mortimer, and Clay's Bang. Set against the World War II Nazi occupation of Paris, The New Look focuses on the pivotal moment in the 20th century when the French city led the world back to life through its fashion icon, Christian Dior. As Dior rises to prominence with his groundbreaking iconic imprint of beauty and influence, Chanel's reign as the world's uh, most famous fashion designer is put into jeopardy. The interwoven saga follows the surprising stories of Dior's contemporaries and rivals from Chanel to Pierre Balmain and Cristobal Balencia and more, and provides a stunning view into the atelier designs and clothing created by Chris Dior through collaboration with the House of Dior. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for this new Apple TV Plus series? I'm going to double thumbs down on this one. I think the story is interesting. I think like everything about it is interesting other than like what I see in this trailer. <laughs> like on paper, it all sounds interesting. I think the trailer is weirdly put together. None of it grabs me apart from just seeing like like the text coming up on screen and the text is like, Coco Chanel, Dior, like they write like this time history. I'm like, oh, that sounds so interesting. And then they show me some of it and I go, this just seems weird. Like, Ben Mendelsohn seems like a terrible casting choice for his fucking role. He's like, it's a, like, deal. Like, I I don't know. Like, why don't we actually just have a French person? The guy who it? does the most Australian accent in Yeah, Hollywood. like, I just. Do it a French. I can't. Yeah, there's, I got so many things that don't vibe with me for this. So, yeah, double thumbs down. No. I'll go one up, one down. But I, I completely agree. Like, on paper, this sounds like a cool concept. Um, It's definitely a part of culture that i don't know a lot about like fashion and uh like fashion history and that kind of stuff so it's kind of interesting to explore that but uh this trailer is like kind of weirdly cut and it's like Mm. is it set after the war or there seems to be a lot of soldiers still around um seem to be pulling macy williams all over the place and (laughs) uncomfortably um so yeah i don't know i'll probably give the first episode a shot because you know why not because it's coming to Apple TV Plus. Uh, so yeah, it is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 14th of February. So check that out this Valentine's Day. Next trailer, Suncoast. Directed by Laura Chin. Starring Laura Linney, Nico Parker, and Woody Harrelson. A teen living with her strong-willed mother must take her brother to a specialized facility. She strikes up an unlikely friendship with an eccentric activist at protests surrounding a landmark medical case. So what do you think of trailer for Suncoast? I watch this. Look at that. Let me just. Oh no, Nico Parker. Right. Yes. Fucking. You read the whole description. I was like, oh, watch this. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna double up. Uh. I'll... No, that's a lie. I can't go double up. I would remember. I'll go one up, one down. Um. <laughs> what the standout was? I was like, these scenes of Woody Harrelson interacting with uh, Nico Parker. This seems really. This seems solid. And then the stuff with the the mum and everything else. I was like, I don't know. This just seems like people yelling at each other um i understand that probably in the context of the film everything like i don't know it feels like a movie i've seen a million times before but not really if that like i haven't seen a movie with like a sister dealing with their brother dying but just the the, the whole thing of like 
young kid connects with older dude like overcome life problem like it, it like it just fits that thing that we've probably seen a million times before and woody house has done fucking movies like this before so um, yes, I was about to say this enters the pantheon of uh, Woody Harrelson movies where he befriends a younger girl. Yeah, Edge of Seventeen, Hunger Games, yeah, Zombieland. Yeah, so he just maybe a little uh, bit more straightforward this time. He just does these moves. So yeah, I'll, I'll go one up, one down because obviously it wasn't super memorable <laughs> for me because I forgot. <laughs> I forgot I watched the trailer, but I mean, I like some of the people involved. So I don't know. yeah, I'll go one up, one down as well. It seems like it's. Uh, autobiographical film from what I've read uh, doing a little bit of research for this movie Woody Harrelson, like I said, Woody Harrelson is good in these kind of movies um, you know, he's, he's that good like surrogate father figure I guess um, or male role model I don't know um, I, I mean the situation is kind of interesting of this girl who wants to kind of have a normal teen life but also her brother is dying <laughs> and like how do you balance those two things and wants um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely looks interesting. It just debuted, I want to say, at Sundance, or is about to debut at Sundance, which is weird because it is coming to Disney Plus on the 9th of February. So, not far away to wait for that. Next trailer is for Feud, Capote vs. the Swans, created by Ryan Murphy, Jaffe Cohen, and Michael Zam, starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Savit, Savigny, Christopher Lockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, Tom Hollander, and Treat Williams. Acclaimed writer Truman Capote destroys his friendships with the jet-setting socialites of New York City's high society by writing a thinly fictionalized account of their scandalous and hedonistic personal lives in his novel, Answered Prayers. This causes them all to vow to ruin his life in revenge. Uh, Dylan, how familiar are with Capote? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. That's that's what I think of, and obviously in that movie, he's doing like a true crime story. Yeah, well, so then to see him life, yeah. completely switch things up to be <laughs> part of like early uh, True Housewives kind of, <laughs> I think this is uh, set, situation. I, yeah, so th- this is set like a decade like, or two after. Yeah, I think this is like yeah, probably like ten twenty yeah ten twenty years after where Capote takes place. So yes, um, I'm going double thumbs up. Looks really interesting. Uh, Truman Capote is definitely an interesting person that I'll happily watch and learn more about. Um, great cast, uh, interesting performance uh, by everyone involved, I think. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm keen to watch it, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Like, it's very interesting subject matter. Like I said, Truman Capote, I I've watched Capote, so maybe that's something uh, I'll watch before this comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, just kind of very interesting to see this dynamic, I guess, at this time period, um, and kind of the reaction, you know, uh, and then, yeah, there's a lot of people here who haven't seen and stuff in a while. So very interesting to see them in this. Uh, yeah. So this one is coming to binge starting the 1st of February. Last trailer for this week, Spaceman, directed by John Rennick. Starring Adam Sandler, Paul Dano, Carrie Mulligan, Kunal, Kunal Nair, and Isabella Rossellini. As an astronaut sent to the edge of the solar system to collect mysterious ancient dust finds his earthly life falling to pieces, he turns to the only voice who can help him try to put it back together. It just so happens to belong to a creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of his ship. 
still unfortunate thing you have to try it with a spice man i'll get double thumbs up it looks really weird uh i like adam sandler doing weird non-comedy movies for netflix which is apparently a thing he does now um <laughs> arachnophobias be scared yeah yeah double thumbs up it looks i don't know I don't know what this is about. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But yeah, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Like, you know, having Adam Sandler doing space stuff. Like, like you said, it's weird seeing him in like kind of a weird dramatic role. Uh, also, Paul Dano was the perfect voice for that alien creature. <laughs> just a weirdly calm, unsettling voice. I'm just, I'm just here. I I just I'm a space person like you yeah i just come along to say hi yeah. how you yeah. going the guy behind the riddler and uh one of the most unsettling characters in uh prisoners you know that's who you want to listen to hmm. that's the voice these are just your so, memories yeah, yeah. looks very <laughs> cool uh <laughs> all right so this one is releasing on netflix march 1st dylan this week what do you want to watch Fuck! <laughs> Damn it. Uh, this week I want to watch nothing. I actually don't think there's anything I give. A... You know, actually, no. Fuck that. You know what I'm watching this week? I'm watching Force of Nature what? Two: The Dry Baby, The Dry Two: Force of Nature, because they got advanced screening on Thursday. Advanced screenings. That's what I'm fucking watching. <laughs> fuck everything that's actually releasing this week. I can't say anything I came about. Um, I don't have anything on the movie front, although I would highly recommend people go see uh, Anatomy, Anatomy of a Fall, which releases in cinemas. Yeah, uh, I would pick that if I knew I could watch it, but so it no, ain't coming here. Uh, currently, my favorite film of 2024. So <laughs> watch that. Uh, on the TV front, I'm keen to check out... Uh, Masters of Air, the new entry in the 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 Band of Brothers universe. Check that out. Uh, and then also shout out Expats, the new Nicole Kidman drama, directed by Lulu Wang, director of The Farewell. I don't know much about it, other than those facts, but it's coming out on Prime Video, <laughs> so I recommend that as well. All right, let us know what you're excited to watch this week. What did you watch during our Christmas break? Let us know by going to explosure.com slash Twitter or jump into Discord at explosure.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here, what do you want to watch? The episode review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars. Anyone leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this extra special length episode, I thought it was worth just a dollar or maybe more. Head on to the Kofi page at explosion.com slash support thank you very much for listening especially this far and until next time keep watching stuff i guess